you're going to meet this morning, and I'm not giving their names on purpose, <laughs> the couple you're going to meet this morning has heard the call of God to be going on to the mission field, and so we're excited to be able to have them come and share with us. And so would you come this morning and just uh, share with us what God is doing in your lives? And um, as they're coming, would you just bow your heads with me and let me pray for them this morning. Lord, we just lift this couple up to you today. We thank you that they have heard the call to missions and that, Lord, they have answered in obedience to that call. Lord, we thank you for um, their lives. We thank you for this new life that you've given to them as well. And we pray that you would just bless them as they continue to raise their support, as they continue to share with uh, different congregations and individuals. And Lord, I pray that you would provide in incredible ways for them that they would be blessed and encouraged through other believers. And so we ask this all in your precious son's name. Amen. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you, uh, thank you for hosting us. Um, I've, I've forgotten the man's name. It, it, was, it was you there in the pink shirt with the purple and pink tie. We talked about how that I like pink and purple shirts and ties earlier. I've forgotten your name, but uh, the point of me bringing this up was to listen to your wife. And, and uh, yeah, so... What we're going to do is she's going to give the introduction and I give the closer, so to speak. I've always been like a, like a yeah, as long as the baby cooperates. So uh, we may have to improvise after that. So uh, I did want to thank you for the warm welcome. I really felt welcomed in this church. Thank you. So I'm going to hold the microphone for her, though. So. All right. We're going to skip through the second slide pretty quick. It has, skip that one. Yeah, there you go. Thanks. Um, so we are headed to Togo, West Africa, but I'm going to share a little background information first. Uh, I grew up to missionary slash foster parents. Um, I was born in Peru and lived there until I was two years old and then came back and my parents were home missionaries. Uh, and then when I was 10, I professed faith in Christ, but I didn't really take it seriously until I was around 17 years old, and that's when I was baptized. Um, soon after that, I was felt a call to go to the Philippines, and I was there for two and a half years training as a midwife while working as a missionary, um, and God used that to really uh, sanctify a lot of areas in my life. So it was like a really challenging, hard time, but it was also very fruitful towards the end. So I came home then and took my um, boards to become a certified professional midwife. So I am certified in that. And then I have a Bachelor of, uh, bachelor of Science in Intercultural Studies as well. Um, that's just basically a mission study. It has Bible and cultural uh, combination there. And I was headed to Togo um, 2019. I was almost fully supported, and I went and visited St. Paul's in Cessna, Pennsylvania, and Caleb was there. <laughs> that was July 2019, um, and we had seen each other for, like, special services. I had gone to the church before uh, for, like, Good Friday and Easter, things like that, um, but Caleb was... <laughs> 
sorry, this is like hard not to say people's names. Uh, we always like, uh, he always chickened out, um, asking me out there. So, <laughs> so when I went uh, for Good Friday, April of 2019, he was about to ask me out, and then didn't. And so he prayed that he could find me, and he remembered that we I worked for a country store. Uh, so he got dressed up and went around to the stores and still couldn't find me. So he prayed that I would come to his church sometime. And that July, I came and spoke at his church to raise support. So he asked me out, and I just figured it would be a quick date, a little bit of fun before Togo kind of thing. Um, and it obviously turned out to be more than that. Um, so we, I didn't want to go by myself now and leave him. I was afraid that I would go and um, just get homesick and lovesick and just come home early then. Um, but I also didn't know if he would be able to go. So we talked to my pastor and the mission board and everybody, and they all accepted him, and he wanted to do work over there as well. So we delayed the trip, got engaged in December, we were supposed to get married in May, but because of COVID, um, our venue got canceled, and his family couldn't come up from the south there, and uh, just like all those things, we decided when they shut down Bedford County uh, in April 1st that we just ran to the pastor's house and got married in his living room, because it's like, well, I can't have this ceremony anyways, so like, just get married. We didn't want to be separated. We didn't know how the lockdown would look. Um, so we just got married uh, April 1st, April Fool's Day, and ended up with a little honeymoon baby. So, um, yeah, so that's the background there, and he's going to share more of his story when he shares. So we are headed to Togo still. Um, with COVID and everything, it's taken longer to raise support, and the mission board also advised us to wait a year um, to establish a marriage a little bit before heading over. Um, right now, we are getting closer to the goal that we hope to leave in August. And we have 67% of our support so far. So uh, I had nearly 100%, but when you add two more people, it kind of <laughs> kind of shuts it down a little bit more. Uh, so we are headed to Togo. It's about the size of West Virginia in landmass size, but about three times as much population. It's near uh, Burkina Faso, right below Burkina Faso, and between Ghana and Benin there along the Ivory Coast. Um, it is largely animistic, so basically what you think of when you think of like an African religion, a lot of like witchcraft, uh, witch doctors, spirit worship type things. Um, but Christianity is said to be at 20%, but they estimate true Christians are probably more like 7% because a lot of people just try to add Jesus onto their animism. Um, so it's probably around 7%. Christians. And then Muslims are starting to come in from the north, but they haven't reached where we'll be serving yet in central Togo. Uh, northern Togo, though, has quite a few Muslims in it. Uh, then the, let's see, the national language is French, but then they also speak lots of tribal languages as well. Um, Ebe and Kabir are the two most common tribal languages. Right now we are both learning French and we're headed to French school, um, hopefully in France, uh, as long as France is giving out visas uh, for or three or four months uh, to just polish up on our French 
and but right now we're we're kind of self-studying that and we have a french tutor we can refer to once in a while too um, and then when we get there caleb will probably be learning some more of the ebay and cabier uh, he's way better at languages i that's not my thing so <laughs> i've been studying it for a few years and he's almost caught up to me when he started studying french so he just loves to do that um Trying to think what other facts you'd find interesting would be the life expectancy is 40 years old, uh, mostly because of diseases uh, and things like that and poor nutrition. So 40 years old life expectancy. So, um, next slide, please. The climate. We are going to be in the jungle, uh, but Togo has like all three climates. So it's along the ocean, has your beach and everything down there. And then it has the jungle in the center where we'll be at. Um, and then the grass plains up north. So we have like the jungle with like not really very many cool animals, like monkeys and snakes and spiders and that kind of stuff. Scary stuff. Yeah, scary stuff. <laughs> the monkeys are pretty nice. but um, And then up north is like the cooler animals with like, you know, the elephants and all that kind of stuff. But it's like a five-hour drive north. So it's really if we wanted to see. There's more scary stuff up there. <laughs> lions and everything <laughs> so yeah we'll be in the jungle um and it's like very humid if you know anything about like a rainforest type jungle thing and very humid um usually gets down to 70 degrees the lowest but usually hangs around 100 um you got the rainy season and the dry season or the rainy and the rainier some people say because <laughs> it does rain during the dry season um Common foods would be, again, your tropical foods like bananas and pineapples and um, a lot of root vegetables. They eat a lot of um, kind of like mashed potatoes, but without like the milk and the butter. So it's kind of more like Play-Doh. It's just like a ball of mashed potatoes or mashed rice or some kind of starch like that with like a hot sauce over top of it or a peanut sauce. Uh, and if it's hot sauce, then they'll put little tiny dried fish in it or scrambled eggs, and for special occasions, chicken. Now, it is influenced by the French. That's because uh, it was colonized by the Germans until the World Wars, and it was taken by them and given to the French. So that's why they speak French. Um, and they also have French influence in their food. They've learned to make some donuts and uh, croissants and things like that. So their bakery is similar to, uh, like a jungle version of French bakery. So. Uh, that's pretty much what they eat though that is their main diet they'll eat some vegetables but meat is scarce because there's not much grassland uh, not much pasture land for the animals in the jungle um, so mostly chickens sometimes goats and yeah it's mostly just that for the food the next slide and the people there are a lot of varieties like I said um, of the different tribes and a lot of people coming from other countries just like there's always migration when there's a bad government in the one section they'll kind of migrate over to togo and kind of move in and out of togo uh, so that is <laughs> i don't want to boss her ears <laughs> uh, we got yeah but uh, i'm sorry i had a brain freeze there but they, they're very colorful people. They love their traditional outfits. 
and their traditional food. They're very not influenced by the West. Uh, they have some things, but for instance, they have a section of the market that has uh, kind of like surplus clothing that's gotten sent, or like, you know, they'll make extra clothes for uh, both sides of people playing in the Super Bowl, just in case one side wins. Well, they, the side that doesn't win, they send their clothes to places like Togo. And they call it the dead white man's section of the market because they figure if you're getting rid of your clothes, you must not be living and needing them anymore. So they, you know, wear their clothes out. And yeah, if they think, they think that somebody, that's like an inheritance, basically. Somebody dies and we send their clothes over to Togo. Um, so they do wear some American things, but they don't really have any TVs or anything. So they're not really influenced by the Western world. Um, that's also helped with COVID because nobody really goes in and out of Togo. So there's not really any COVID or anything there. Uh, next slide. So this is a picture of the hospital. I'm just going to explain a little bit of what I'll be doing there. Is there sound? No. Okay, that's fine. Um, we'll just skip over the next slide then, and I'll just explain. My hospital, we'll skip that one. Yeah. Oh, we do? Okay. Oh, there you go. Well, I'll let you watch this, and then I can explain a little bit about the hospital. As I said, I am a uh, midwife, and I will be going over and training the nurses in midwifery skills. This is Midwife Benedict, the only other midwife there. Um, basically, the more people we can get into the hospital, the more exposed to the gospel. So right now, because there's no current OB or no stable OB presence, the nurses who are not even really trained in OB are stuck with some of the more simple deliveries and the harder ones they have to turn away. Uh, you can't have too many complications or you're going to get shut down. Um, so basically I won't be able to get them up to an OB level of course but I can increase their skills so we can increase the patient load and more people can hear the gospel. They get to hear the gospel through chaplains who visit them um, on a consistent basis throughout each day that they're there and them and their families. Uh, 
it is a polygamist country, so a lot of people will come with their wives and their kids, and the whole family just comes to a hospital. Um, so they get to hear the chaplains, and there's the Jesus film playing, and every staff member is a professing Christian. So the more patients we can get in, the more can hear about Jesus. So that's our, my goal, um, to basically increase the uh, patient load in the OB section of the hospital and leave the Togolese with a, a few more skills when we get back to the States or wherever we decide to go next. Uh, like I said, midwife Benedict is the other midwife there. She knows some things that I don't. Um, for instance, midwives there are trained in ultrasounds. I can read an ultrasound, but I don't, I'm not an ultrasound technician. Uh, but a midwife there learns ultrasounds, but they don't know how to do any midwifery without technology, which sounds a little bit backwards, but there's only one university in the country, and so they take their education very seriously if they go, um, try to give them the highest possible, uh, and they, they end up not learning the more primitive things. So if they go out to the jungle, they don't know how to find the position of the baby because they don't have an ultrasound machine with them, things like that. So she's going to be teaching me some ultrasound, and I'm going to teach her some more of the like primitive things. And I also get to help out with like some of the more nursing because I have basic nursing skills as well. Uh, and for instance, when I was there last time, I went for a month um, in 2018, and I got to help with like hernia surgeries and skin grafts and stuff like that, stuff I'd never in the United States. But because I have basic nursing and they're so short staffed, uh, I got to help out with those things. Uh, just generally around the hospital. And then because I have a family now, um, ABWE is very family friendly, um, very high prioritizing of the family. And so my hours are cut in half, so I can work 20 to 30 hours a week in the hospital and the rest of the time take care of the family and then just hang out in the village with the women and children. And uh, it's very easy to start like a little Bible study. They're very curious, uh, very bored really <laughs> and they'll just like love to hear stories so uh, I'll be doing that when I'm not in the hospital so that's basically uh, about me and then Caleb's going to share about himself and a few verses there uh, good morning again uh, my, my wife is very modest uh, we, we all have our gifts uh, that God has given us. Uh, sh uh, her strong suit or forte uh, isn't necessarily like with languages, but it's with, well, more scary stuff like surgeries. Like I would never, uh, never dream of doing that. I could, I don't know, drag somebody like by their feet, you know, head first, you know, probably, you know, give them concussions along the way and get them to the hospital, go, I don't know, uh, get sick and pass out. Like that's, that's my medical uh, skills. So, uh, I would like us all to uh, turn to the book of Acts, uh, chapter 6. And just to give you an idea of what we'll be reading, it'll be 1 through 7. I did uh, want to pray quick. Uh, I heard a, a preacher uh, say a joke one time. They said, whenever you hear the pages of the Bible turning, that's angels' wings, the sound of angels' wings or, or something. That's, uh, it was just humorous to me, so... Uh, thank you, Lord, that uh, you have wo uh, woke us up all today and that we get to fellowship. There are plenty of people in this world, and it's sad. They have to sneak and hide to go to church, and we still have this freedom. And I ask that you help uh, us and our brethren all over the world, 
whether they're free to worship in open and public or not. In Jesus' mighty name, help us all to be edified in this service. Amen. Okay, so Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews uh, among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be uh, full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them, and we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of the disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Now we see uh, a few things here. One of them being they had a problem. The, there was people uh, not getting fed like they should have been. And the apostles realized they couldn't do it all. So when they were stuck with the dilemma and choice of, well, do we feed people or do we preach the word? Their answer was yes. So they realized they couldn't do it all. And I'm sure pastors all over America can kind of relate to being over busy. You can't do it all. So what they did was they delegated the responsibility. And it was just as important as preaching. Uh, they saw the needs. I mean, you look in the book of James. Like, it's, you know, how can you say be warmed and filled and, you know, you have the things which they need, but you don't give them to them. So, you know, God not only gave them his revelation of word in the Old Testament in the book of Exodus, he also gave them manna, he also gave them water, and he also gave them clothing. Uh, just to give you a little bit uh, about myself, my personal testimony. Uh, oh, yeah, next slide. Uh, just to give you uh, a little bit of my background, I was raised uh, in what they call a oneness Pentecostal background. Uh, my parents uh, did divorce whenever I was seven, but we still had that uh, theological background. That was our essentially our church background. It's similar to what Jehovah's Witnesses, it's, uh, it's a theological cult. Uh, th but with these, this particular cult, they say that Jesus is the Father, He is the Son, and He is the Holy Spirit. Uh, he just changes different forms or modes and transforms, uh, so to speak. Uh, they also believe in works righteousness uh, and uh, just a lot of uh, bad uh, uh, theology in there. Uh, at the age of 15 is whenever I got into drugs and alcohol pretty heavily. And uh, I just, I would go to church uh, at the uh, Oneness Pentecostal Church uh, on, you know, Sunday or Wednesday. And, you know, I would go and do my thing and party with my friends on the weekends. And, and I, I just didn't know where I fit because I really didn't belong at the uh, party scene. But I also didn't really belong at uh, what I believed to be church. And I started going to an uh, evangelical church, uh, which believed in the Trinity and believed in salvation and uh, by faith and grace, not by works. 
and I still wrestled with, I'm like, well, this isn't where I belong. I was too clean for uh, the world, so to speak, but I was uh, too dirty for uh, the church, so to speak. And so I was just sort of like a Samaritan. I mean, they were better than the Philistines, and they were better than the Egyptians, but they, they weren't exactly doing what they should have been either. And so at 17 years old, uh, that was whenever I went to this youth conference, and I asked God, I said, you know, I don't necessarily uh, know what salvation looks like. Uh, I was uh, still pretty confused about the Trinity, and I said, I don't necessarily know what this all looks like, but I know that uh, I can't do this. I can't save myself. I need you to help me. And so uh, from that point on, I, I gave my life to the Lord at 17 years old, and uh, on to the uh, next slide. All right. Uh, so far as we, before I dig into this, just for time's sake, could we all turn to Mark chapter 11? Okay, we're not going to read it just yet. This is so that we'll be uh, ready to read here in a moment. Uh, so far as the physical work that I'll be doing in Togo, uh, there's, uh, there's the uh, chapel that we'll be building. Uh, there's the cuisine, which is, it's actually, it's actually French. I didn't know this until we s started studying French. And like cuisine means kitchen. So like if you don't get anything from me today, like you can get cuisine. It's like, you know, like, and she can, she can like testify to this. That uh, <laughs> that like whenever I like find a cool word, whether it be in French or English, I'll find an excuse to use that word in like every sentence, <laughs> whatever. Like like an eight year old or a twenty eight year old that learns a new cool word, and you just have to use it all the time now. So, uh, so so far as the physical work, uh, uh, we have the uh, to get into a little bit of details about the chapel. Uh, it's a place where you can kind of uh, uh, collect your thoughts and meet with some of the chaplains uh, and uh, the cuisine is what we take for granted hospitals here we can just drive to Pitts even to Pittsburgh all the way from here to Pittsburgh in a matter of just a few hours and like she was saying they bring their whole families and I mean even a small kitchen in America it's a little bit difficult you live in a like a one-bedroom apartment the kitchen's not that big and so they're having to prepare meals for their whole families because they come and they travel for days on foot or they have to like pile like five people on one motorcycle and another five people on another motorcycle. And like think about like the seatbelt laws over there. Like, uh, but uh, there's, there's not that much space, which uh, again, I'll be, uh, and I won't be the only maintenance and construction guy there. I don't want to, go and ball up in the fetal position in a corner and cry. Like, I don't have all this responsibility on myself. And uh, there's a team of maintenance men and construction workers over there. There is the guest house that we'll be building. There is a lot of short-term missionaries, which with COVID right now, it kind of killed the whole short-term thing because you, you want to go over there for two weeks or something. Well, you have to quarantine for two weeks. And so you essentially just go over there to quarantine in a room and you come back and you quarantine again in your room, you just spend a month of your life just quarantining. And so uh, a lot of the short-termers kind of 
uh, stopped, but uh, housing is complicated. Uh, it's, it's very complicated. You have people coming in and out, uh, people canceling, people, uh, uh, you know, kind of showing up at the last minute. There's just uh, a lot to juggle uh, from uh, all sides. And so building a uh, guest house, uh, a, uh, uh, isn't, isn't there a missionary house that the, 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 the uh, okay. Uh, just different projects like that. Actually, on to the next slide, that reminds me. I think it's, uh, okay, it's, well, we can go ahead and play the video, though, so, is there a sound? Serving thousands of patients each year since it opened in thought I was about to have to dub it for a minute. Everyone who comes through our door has the opportunity to hear about the saving love of Jesus Christ. When you imagine a successful mission hospital, maintenance and facilities management might not be the first thing on your mind, but it is nearly the most essential role here in terms of keeping the hospital operating. Facilities management is critical for any hospital, how much more so a hospital off the beaten path in West Africa. John Tusink has been faithfully serving in this capacity for many years, bearing the bulk of this responsibility almost entirely himself. John Tusink is arguably, did I say arguably? He is undoubtedly the most indispensable person here at this hospital. Without him and his team of maintenance guys, this place would shut down in a matter of days. The electricity goes out, he's there to get it back on. The oxygen shuts off, he's there to get it started again. He is indispensable for this place to run smooth. The person working hard behind the scenes to keep plumbing, electrical, and mechanical issues at bay is vital to the hospital. But this job goes beyond the maintenance demands of this aging hospital and clinic. They also are responsible for the homes of resident missionaries, the guest house facilities which accommodate short-term doctors, a sports court, a pool, the groundskeeping of the entire ministry property, security of this property, maintaining the roads, the list could go on. This is a diverse facilities management job. Hi, my name is Derek Penny. I'm filling in for John Tusink while he's on furlough. I get to work in the maintenance department, uh, taking care of guest houses, uh, missionary houses, and hospital facility. The work here is hard, it's hot, it's tough. You have to be resourceful, you have to be uh, motivated to do the work yourself. There's no one else that you can really call to do it, uh, but it's rewarding. I get to work with some really great Togolese guys and together we make a good team. We get to spend a couple of mornings each week doing a devotion time and just as conversation pops up we get to build into their lives. They're really the missionaries here and they do a great job uh, ministering to their own. What we really need here is more help. If you have a trade, if you're handy in any way, we can use you here. Uh, don't feel that you need to be uh, certified or a master of anything. Just come and be willing to work hard and uh, we'd love to have you join us. Hello, my name is Dr. Michael Gale and I'm the medical director here at 
Opical Baptiste Public, we truly need at least three to four maintenance people here to help with the projects that we're talking about coming up forward, as well as general maintenance, as well as being on call. Right now, he's on call 24-7, and I know what that's like being a doctor. So we need to help John out, as well as the hospital. Just as skilled workers were called forth to complete the tabernacle and the temple in the Old Testament, so we are asking God to bring forth skilled workers who can complete the projects that we have set forth. All the time while taking care of the general maintenance needs of the hospital and the emergencies which arise. Are you willing and able to be used of God in His ministry here in Togo, West Africa? Rest assured it will be a great adventure, an adventure that will touch your heart and be a blessing to you and to those you serve. If you would consider serving with us in West Africa, where your hard work is a direct lifeline to the hospital ministry, you can contact us via email. Or, if you can financially support someone else who's willing to go, you are equally needed and appreciated in this work. So the, uh, on the verbal more uh, ministry and the, kind of the abstract and uh, intangible side uh, of ministry will be uh, helping plant churches and ABWE, uh, their uh, primary goal in church planning and discipleship and, and uh, uh, ministries of that nature is to have the uh, local people and the natives because it, uh, I mean, look at Paul. How many of the places did he really stay at? It was, it was up to themselves, like he left Titus to set in order what he had left. I believe he entrusted Timothy uh, to uh, the churches that they planted. And so it's generally best, I mean, even Jesus left the, uh, the man of gatherings or Gerasenus uh, to his home people and uh, to... Uh, uh, witness to the people about what Jesus did for him and so what I'll be doing is learning the language hopefully uh, we'll be able to somehow get a Bible in their heart language I mean anybody in here who's ever even uh, briefly learned a little bit of another language and tried to read the Bible in that language it's it's not the same you can still get a, a good bit of it from it but it's just not the same uh, so, next slide. Uh, here, uh, in a moment, uh, she'll be uh, closing the rest uh, of the presentation. But before we do that, I want us all to take some time. Uh, everybody's in Mark 11, right? Now everybody's looking for the person who didn't turn there. Everybody's like looking, like, or uh, I'm glad I at least turned there. Like I was like a little bit nervous up here myself. I'm like, did did I turn there? I'm like, <laughs> So, all right, Mark 11, and we're going to start at verse 20. In the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. 
I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what, that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. I, I have to say that a lot of our problems is not complicated problems, it's simple problems. You know, forgiveness, sometimes you got to forgive uh, that person that wronged you, maybe... Uh, some of us in this congregation are a little older. Like I'm, I hope that nobody has like a pile of rocks, like beside the pew to throw at me. Like I'm sorry to offend, but it's, it's just the truth. But uh, and and some of those people that have wronged us may be gone. They may be in eternity already. But we can ask God to forgive us for not forgiving them. And so, and we may just have to ask God to forgive us for the wrongs that we've done to someone else. Maybe we can't ask someone to forgive us, or maybe that boat has just set sail and you just are too scared to to talk to that person you can always talk to god though and so uh, uh another thing that uh, uh i i wanted to say is uh, there is this church uh it was a small country church and there was a sign on the back and it said you are now entering the mission field it was on the exit and a, a lot of us I, I even do it myself like i'll you know read uh uh you know, about these uh, church fathers or like St. Augustine or uh, some of the Puritans and people of that nature, and we, I kind of immortalize them. And we immortalize pastors, we immortalize uh, different missionaries, and we, we kind of treat them like they're like Gandalf from Lord of the Rings or something. Like we could like see them as like, you know, they levitate everywhere they go reading the Bible. And th- they were, in, in the book of James, that was uh, a lot of people have elevated like Elijah. And they, uh, what did the uh, James say? Elijah was just a man who prayed, and it didn't rain. And so, uh, I know that we're in very scary times. And there's, you hear like conspiracy theories and stuff. Like they're apparently they have machines that can control the weather. I really don't care. You know, like they talk about we can go to Mars. Well, they made that movie like in the 90s and the early 2000s. I already, I already saw that. Like, I, I really don't care. But what I like in Mark 11 is this, because one thing they haven't invented is a catapult that can throw Mount Everest into the ocean. And that's the same power that Jesus said and says that we have in prayer. So what you can do is you can pray for us. You can pray for your lost family members and coworkers. You can witness to them. You were just as important, and the deacons were just as important as the apostles. Everybody is important. Like the, remember that children's song? I can't remember it exactly. Like Thaddeus, Simon, uh, and Bartholomew. Uh, he has called us too. He has called us too. Uh, he, he's called us all. And so uh, I, just, I just wanted to, to really emphasize that. So that you can pray and you can do the things that you do. And they're still just as important. Uh, I don't know if there is anything uh, else to say. Yeah, I was saying for my part. So I believe I will uh, turn it over to Mary Ellen. So, uh, so we are 100% O&P, which is outfit and passage. Um, that covers you know, plane tickets, visas, uh, vaccines, stuff like that. Uh, 100% there. 
and about 70% in monthly support. And we can leave in August if we only have uh, partial support, but we can only stay a year. So we really want to get to that 100%. And then if you keep praying about French um, and support raising, and just like all the housekeeping things that we need to do to get ready, uh, packing and just sorting through our belongings and all that kind of thing, um, if you could just keep all those things in prayer as we do that. I think that pretty much summarizes everything. Could you turn to the next? Yeah, your involvement, pray, give, encourage. Uh, it can feel like when you're missionaries that you're like the only ones out there, you and your teammates and everything. So like, um, encouraging emails and things like that. We won't have consistent internet, but we will have internet at times. So we can check emails. They don't really have snail mail over there. So we can't really get any, like, care packages or anything, but emails are good. Um, and if you would like to sign up for our newsletter, uh, there is a sign-up sheet in the back as, and our prayer cards. And we're going to get an updated prayer card here with her in it. But she's in it technically, like, mom pregnant, yeah. but, like, <laughs> with her kind of visible. Um, so we're going to get that soon, and we can send you all some. But, yeah, just continue to pray and give and encourage and read our newsletters. We send out once a month. I'll let you know what we're doing there. And next. Any questions? Do we have time for questions? Magicians may have copied some of God's miracles to begin with, but ultimately it was the Egyptians who drowned in the sea and the children of Israel who crossed over safely. And it got to the point to where they couldn't copy God's miracles anymore. So Satan's power and man's power is always limited. So. People like to ask questions after. Get that. Yeah, feel free. <laughs> feel free to ask us like uh, later because I know. If you have any now? Feel free. Yeah. Thank you again for hosting us. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you being here this morning and and just sharing what God's doing in your in your lives. So that's that's amazing. Let me just uh, let me pray for them this morning, and then we're gonna close our service with, uh, with a song. Lord, uh, we just thank you for this couple that you've called. And Lord, we thank you for how you've provided for just their initial costs to get there and how you have provided for 70% of their support. And Lord, we ask that you would just, uh, in your power and might, continue to provide those monthly support that they need. Lord, we pray for them as they continue to learn the French language and then as they get um, in country learning the different tribal languages, we pray that you would just give them wisdom, supernatural wisdom, be able to do that. And then Lord, we do pray for all of the housekeeping issues that they need to address uh, before leaving. And so Lord, we lift them up to you. We thank you again for this opportunity to just uh, partner with them as uh, followers of Christ. We lift them up uh, in Jesus' name. Amen.